Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That was such a blatant flop. I don't want to say that it was a super physical play because then you're basically conceding that it was a legitimate flagrant too. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. Today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Joshua K, the foremost supporter of Alex Len in the world. If you want to be like Joshua and support the show, head to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. That is also my Twitter account and my name is Josh Lloyd. So why don't you follow me over there? Do the same on Instagram at redrock underscore b-ball and Facebook at facebook.com slash redrockbasketball. We are going to talk about the five games that went down on Saturday. Then we're going to look ahead to a very crucial Sunday where there are 10 games on. We're going to talk about that for DFS, but we're also going to look at it for seasonal leagues, for head-to-head leagues. Because if you listen to my advice at the start of the season, this is your last day of the season. Hopefully it is. Hopefully you're not continuing on any further than this because this is when shit starts to go backwards. So all of my leagues that I set up finish tomorrow, finish on Sunday, finish whatever day. If you're listening on Sunday, finish on Sunday. This is it. Last day of all head-to-head leagues for me. Now, some of you will still be continuing to the end of the season and that should never, ever happen, but this should be the end. So what I'm going to do is tell you some streaming options for all of the eight categories. I'm not going to tell you who to stream for turnovers because if you want to stream for turnovers, don't play anybody. I'm going to tell you who to stream or who I think you should stream for those other eight categories, give you some options of who may be, may be available in your league to help you get those categories over the line. And, and if this is the last week of your season, which again, it should be, you you stream as hard as you possibly can. Now, for a lot of people, it won't be the end of the season, so we'll do this again for next Sunday's show, and hopefully, hopefully that's the last of your uh, of your leagues then. But I know that plenty of you will still be going on, which is uh, not unfortunate because you'll still be playing and listening to the podcast, but unfortunate for the integrity of the league, in my opinion. All right, so... Let's get to it. To it. Let's do that. Let's start with the um let's start with the streaming options. We'll get that out of the way first and talk about some um some players that you might be able to add in. And even if it's not your final week of the season, it's probably your semifinals or some sort of playoff. If it's not your any playoff round, then man, I don't know what's going on. So you're gonna have some desperation hitting there. If you want points, these are the guys that I think that could be available. They might not be, but could be available that you need to look at. Timmy Hardaway Jr. Willie Cauley-Stein, Ersan Ilyasova with Paul Millsap out, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams in Houston, Bud Heald, Frank Kaminsky, and Jamal Crawford. I think there's a selection of guys there who are probably going to be available on your waiver one. You'll see some of these names pop up in the other categories as well, but they're probably going to be the top six or seven guys who, who might be available, who should be available in a lot of leagues that you can add for the points categories. For threes, 
Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, obviously double up there. Bud Heald, Tim Hardaway again. JJ Reddick's a very good three-point option if you want to go deep. Then we're talking about the Duke, Wayne Ellington, Troy Daniels, Denzel Valentine, and CJ Miles. These are guys that are helping really in threes only, but they can get you two. They can get you three. CJ Miles can hit five. He can also be terrible, but this is what we're, we're looking to do at this point in the season. Four rebounds, big source, Alan Williams, he might have been dropped. Noah Vonley, who's been getting, apart from today, pretty much eight rebounds a night. Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Zach Randolph, especially with Marcus Gasol being listed as questionable. If it's a Zubats, Willie Cauley-Stein, Steve Adams, if he was dropped, and Jermichael Green. Four assists, Rajon Rondo. And he's not the most palatable of player, but if you need assists, he's going to do it. Tyler Eulis might have been dropped because of his field goal percentage. He might not have even been picked up. Seriously, some leagues just uh, are not on the ball necessarily. He's one. Um, TJ McConnell from the Philadelphia 76ers. Jameer Nelson, Timmy Frazier, and Malcolm Brogdon. There's some other options who you can stream in for assists on Sunday. With steals, the number one guy we want to look at is the Deuce Young, of course, of the Indiana Pacers, who can get three, four, five steals a game. He can also be terrible, which he's been for the last month, but that's the sort of guy you're trying to look at. Pat Bev's a a no-brainer. TJ McConnell. Briante Weber is someone who's going to be available in nearly every single league, and he can go out there, play 14, 15 minutes, and get steals. That can happen. It might not, but he is a very, very good option in those low minutes or very deep league situations. Um, Tarbo Cephalosha, Cody Zeller is actually a pretty good source of steals. We've got uh, Tyler Johnson, Karis Levert, Torian Prince, and Brogo as some other players who could get out there and get you one one steal, two steals, maybe even get to three, which which might be pushing it. For blocks, Zubats, Len, Big Source, Torian Prince, um, Robin Lopez, Marquise Chris, Cody Zeller, Rishon Holmes, Amir Johnson, and Steve Adams. I'm sure you can find a selection of those players available on your wire to get the blocks happening. Now, with field goal percentage and uh, free throw percentage, we're not talking about... You don't just want the guy who's going to shoot the highest field goal percentage or highest free throw percentage. You want impact. You want volume. And that's a, that's hard to do off the waiver wire. But there are a few guys you can look at that might help to give you a bit of a boost in those categories. For field goal percentage, we're looking at Nene, Ennis Cantor, and Steve Adams, if they were around. Will Cauley-Stein, Alan Williams, Cody Zeller, Holmesy. Brandon Wright, who's got a real op, even if he only plays the 14, 15 minutes, he can influence field goal percentage, but if Gasol's out, huge opportunity. Taj Gibson and Costa Kufos, who should be back after resting the last game. For the free throw percentage, it's, it's a little harder to influence that category. Lou Williams is one we've talked about already. JJ Reddick and Jamal Crawford for the Clippers, but a couple of guys who are going to be available in pretty much all, well, Eric Gordon's another one. In pretty much all situations, you look at Marco Bellinelli, of the Charlotte Hornets, who, who played a huge role in the last game, probably won't be that big, but he still hits his free throws at a big clip. And Timotei Lawawu Cabrera, who's you know, a guy that can go at 86%, who, who should start and hopefully play upper 20s in minutes, he's another guy that can influence that free throw percentage category. So there's some streaming options for you guys for Sunday. As always, follow me on Twitter, and I'll do best do my best to get back to you uh, with answers as best I can. And sometimes I do just get swamped with things, or sometimes I'm actually doing something that's not involving basketball. Like, I apologize to anyone who messaged me today. I was out in my son's soccer game, and then he had you know, life saving stuff to do. So I was out and about this morning before you know, before lock time, before roster lock, and sometimes I just don't get a chance to get to that sort of stuff. Let's now talk monstrous line of the night. It is, of course, Johnny Wall of the Washington Wizards. Wall was huge against the Cavs, 37, 4, and 11. And he did a little bit of everything in every category. Two triples, two steals, one block. He went 14 of 21 from the field, so super efficiency, and 7 of 8 uh, from the free throw line. Yeah, fantastic stuff there from Big John. He's the 10th ranked player for the season. There was a lot of doubt for him heading into the season, you know, 
well-placed out because he was coming off surgery to both knees. We didn't know how we'd be. Scott Brooks was showing apprehension to say that he'd be ready to start the season. And when we'd heard that sort of talk before, that means shit, he's not going to, you know, players, if they say, oh, we're not quite sure. It happened with Kyrie Irving. He didn't come back till January. So there was a definite concern. If he was healthy, he's always going to be this player around that around that mark. And for the last four years, he's been the 13th-ranked player, 11th-ranked player, 11th-ranked player, and now he's the 10th-ranked player in eight-category leagues. And, and that's a fairly significant level of consistency. What he has done is, is he's worked over the last two years of getting his three-pointers up. He's got his free-throw percentage up. He's shooting more efficiently from the field he, and, and averaging double-digit assists and two steals a game. He's been ridiculous, and he does go very much underrated in the fantasy world, and he is a guy that, you know, without injury, you should always be considering at that back end of the first round. That's the only reason I didn't have him there. just was really uncertain about uh, about when he'd start and how he'd look with those knees, but... There's no issue. John Wall has been uh, been pretty good. Let's move on to the waiver wire line of the night, and it is Jamal Crawford of the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers. Crawford was hot, 28 points. He hit three threes, had two boards, three assists, and two steals. But the real value, apart from the points, is the 8 of 12 shooting and the 9 of 9 from the free throw line. He's been getting some pretty significant minutes the last few games, 25, 28, 29, 30, 26, 25 in his last six games, and he's hit double digits in four of those games. This is his first one over 20. But over the last three games, he's knocked in eight three-pointers. We talked about streaming a guy in for threes. And with the Clippers showing this week with the five games on that they are they're going to limit the minutes of their players and that means that Crawford gets some extra run if they get up big which they were against the Jazz and the, and the Monday Tuesday back to back they were as well they they got up big and, and these players got some extra minutes so you know Jamal if you need some points and threes I, I don't think he's a must own guy as a long term type prospect but for now shit on Sunday yeah Look, you need these numbers. He, he's going to be a really good option for that. He's been a disappointment this, this year, no doubt, and he, he hasn't looked great. Um, ranked outside the top 150, as he was last year, only averaging 12 points and one and a half threes. And, of course, yeah, really being a, a negative influencer in that field goal percentage category. The last two weeks, he's at 50% shooting, so there's a possibility he goes one for 24 tomorrow and really just you know, shits in that one for you. But... Yeah, the scoring, the free throws, the the threes, they're obviously uh, quite useful. So Jamal Crawford is your waiver wire line of the night. Your young gun of the night is Willie Hernan Gomez. Because, of course, we just cannot have any idea of what Hornacek's going to do. 24 and 13 for Bill. He had an assist. He had a steal. He had a block. He was 11 of 16 from the field, and he was 2 of 3 from the line. We can talk about the inconsistency of minutes. His last six games go 31. 19, 17, 17, 21, 36. And he has started four of those six games. And the, one of the games that he got over 30 minutes, he didn't start. So how can you how can you work out what's going to happen? The answer is you can't. You've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen on a regular basis for Hernan Gomez. Now, his biggest strength is his field goal percentage and his rebounding. So if that's something you're looking at to next week, then then he's going to have that value. If Mallow continues to miss, if we just see this continual shuffling of performances, he's going to be helpful. But he's not going to be an all-round contributor in all areas. He doesn't block shots very well, doesn't get many steals, although that's been improved recently. He's not a huge scorer, but he's a very good rebounder. Um, and he can be quite efficient, especially with that field goal percentage, and that's what you need to weigh up. But as I just illustrated, there's going to be a fairly uh, large amount of inconsistency with him uh, with him this season. Let's move on to the dud of the night. 
Georgie Hill was not good. Nine points, one rebound, and one assist. He hit a three. He was four of 11 from the field, and he, he'd done pretty well against the Clippers in the past, but obviously not on this occasion. His recent form has not been ideal, and a lot of it's come from the fact that his shooting has dropped off. He's still averaging 15 points a game over the last two weeks, but he's outside the top 130 because he's down to under 43% shooting, and he's a 47% guy for the year. So we're seeing a little bit of a dip in that, in his scoring, in his three-pointers. His steals have dropped off as well, and his assists are well down at only 3.6 a game, which is which is fairly putrid. He should be owned in, in most situations, but it was not a good uh, it was not a good night for Big Georgie Hill. Now, before we head on and talk about these games in more detail, we'll just uh, see the questions that have come in. Pedro Minguez says Detroit has four games in the first five in the five first days of next week. KCP and Morris are available. Should I grab one of them tomorrow? Well, look, that, that's a very good use of acquisitions. Now, Pedro, I guess it depends. Do you need to add someone for tomorrow for Sunday? Do you need that player? If not, then yeah, that that's a great way of great way of doing it. Great way of approaching it. Of looking, okay, I can get four games in five days. Now, I haven't done a big analysis of the schedule for next week yet, so. You know, I can't tell you how other teams are stacking up there because I just don't have that in front of me. But those, um, those numbers and, and that sort of four game in five nights, yeah, then, then they can both have that. Now, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Mark. I don't think Marcus Morris is a must own guy, but in that situation, yeah, he is. Trevor Evans says, I'm headed to the championship matchup in a points league. Who do you like next week? Trevor, it's a points league. I have absolutely no idea. What's your scoring? What are these guys averaging recently? You'd have to say that Capella's got the most consistent role, and his three guys are Capella, Rashawn Holmes, and Marquise Chris. Capella's got the more consistent role, but have a look. What's happened over the last week? What's happened over the last two weeks? And check their averages. Check how many games they play, of course, this week as well. MJ Advento says, what are your thoughts on TJ Warren playing tomorrow? At this point, we don't know. If I had to lean one way, I would say out, but that's obviously a pretty big guess. And Jamie Hendon, is it Jamie or is it Jaime? I'm going to go with Jamie, but Jamie, you can correct me. Is Josh Richardson a standard league pickup tomorrow? If you've got a spot available, then Richo's got a chance. He's going to play 35 minutes. He's really disappointed the last couple of weeks, even in the extra minutes. But if you need what he can bring, and that can be threes, it can be steals, it can be blocks from the shooting guard position, then Richo is is obviously in play there. I like the minutes, and the possibility of him going off is is relatively decent. So, yeah, that's not a bad situation there. Jamie. All right, let's get into these games now. We'll talk about them in a bit more detail. There were five of them on Saturday. The first one is Utah. They're taking on the Los Angeles. They took on the Los Angeles Clippers and they got beaten. Gordon Haywood had to leave with a thigh bruise. He is um he's fine moving forward. They said he's probable to play the next game, but uh, he's going to be okay. It looks like, which is good news. It wasn't a great night for him. 13, 5 and 3 in 31 minutes, but he'll be better. It was a great night for Rudy Gobert. 26 and 14, another two blocks and 77% from the field. If free throws are an issue, 60% on 10 attempts is a very, very big negative impact. And that, that's a worry at this point, but shit, he is just crushing it in other areas. Boris Diaw started in favor of, I, I, what the hell's going on with Derek Favors? I'm just assuming at this point that he's out for the next week. I don't know that. That's just what I'm assuming. So Boris Diaw started. He has been brutal for pretty much the entirety of this season. He had 6-5-5 five, and five, while Joey Johnson off the bench had 17-3-2 with three triples in 26 minutes. But we're just talking about Johnson as a as a deeper league sort of a player, and that's really about it. Rocket Rodney Hood had nine and four in his 23. He just is not going to uh, not going to get back in business, I don't think. 
for this season anyway. Um, really no need to be holding on to him outside of you know, keeper league formats. While uh, Jingle and Joe Ingles just had the one point, but did dish five assists on zero of five shooting in his 27 minutes. He's going to continue to play more than Hood, it feels like, for the foreseeable future. Onto the Clippers, we talked about Jamal already. This was a pretty comfortable victory, so they just spread their minutes out with that back-to-back happening. Mo Spates played 22. He had 11 and 10 with three blocks. Blakey Griffin had 15 and 6 in 33, while Chris Paul only needed 29 minutes, and he had 14, 3, and 5. Blakey Griffin had 15 and 6 with three steals. Didn't shoot well. I've already talked about him, haven't I? Sorry. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan had 7 and 15 in his 26 minutes. It wasn't a great night for Austin Rivers, and... Uh, mostly what he does is contribute in points, and he did that here. He had 11 on 50% shooting, but only one rebound and one assist. But he's another guy that's going to be in play if the game becomes a blowout. The Clippers have got the Kings on Sunday, so that could become a blowout. So we might see Chris Paul play 27 minutes again and Rivers play play 30 and have 18 with three threes and four assists, and that could be a really useful sort of performance. J.J. Redick only had the 12 in 23 again. It was just a, a comfortable victory. So as we've seen for the majority of this week, they just uh, they just limit limit the the team on these uh, back to backs, and that's just been a, a constant for this week. Washington and Cleveland, Otto Porter really got it going defensively. Only had ten points because he only took seven seven shots because he continues to be just woefully underused. Eleven percent usage rate, ten points, two threes. But the six boards, the three steals, and the two blocks is obviously a fantastic level of production from Otto. He hasn't been near that recently, and it still bothers me how little he shoots considering that he is... Now, is he still... I think he is still a number one three-point shooter in the entire NBA. He needs to be used more, but that's that's a good line. 27-4-6 and six for Brattles as well. And with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich out, Kelly Oubre stepped up, resumed his sixth man role, and played 26 minutes and had 16-7. and seven. Now, it, it's unsustainable because he went seven of eight from the field. And we know that's always the first thing we want to look at when a weird guy puts up big numbers. Good to see him back in that role. But when Boyan returns, forget it. He goes back to being that minutes in the teens, maybe less than 10 and and being a non-contributor. Yan Mihinmi was suffering from a hip pointer. So that limited him to nine minutes. But this is a situation we talked about yesterday about second game of back-to-back. They're going to limit Mihinmi. The interesting thing is, is that with Mahinmi playing just nine minutes, Marcin Gortat only saw 23, 10 and 5 with an assist. He should have been dropped weeks ago. I said, look, give it another chance. If you're still some reason holding on to him, see what happens on Saturday. Get rid of him. You need players for Sunday. Move on. There is no reason to hold on to Gortat in any 12. And honestly, even a 14-team league, you're probably going to find better. Jason Smith's into the action there. He had 10 and 6 with two triples in his 16 minutes, Markeith had 14 and 6. It wasn't a great shooting night from Markeith, but the counting stats, yeah, 14 and 6 is all right. It's not It's not great. For the Cavs, Kevin Love, how about that minutes restriction? Doesn't really appear to be an issue. 33 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back for Love. 17 and 7, three threes, one steal, one block. He's back in business now. It was um, a little bit rough with the minutes earlier on this week, but but he's fine now, obviously. LeBron would play through his corneal abrasion, 24 and 11 with eight assists for a block for LeBron, while Kyrie had 23, 4 and 2 and actually chimed in with a steal and two blocks as well. Good defensive numbers. Tristan Thompson, just horrific rebounding. Four rebounds in 27 minutes, not one defensive rebound. Did have the nine points, four assists, two steals, and a block, and was four of four from the field. So overall, his fantasy line looks good. It's just not in the area that he normally helps you in the most, which is weird and often can be unuseful at this time of the season. J.R. Smith started. He played 31 minutes. He scored six points. I'm sure none of you own him in 12-10 leagues, or if you are, it was just for yesterday to get some threes. But he has been... 
putrid, I think is, you know, wish I had another word for it. He's been terrible this season and there's no other way around it. Kyle Corver had 10 with three triples in his 21 and there's no reason to deal with him either. Or Iman Shumpert sat this one out with some knee issues. Let's talk about the next game. It's Toronto and Dallas. There was no Damari Carroll, which is probably better for, for the Raptors in the end. PJ Tucker started. He had nine and nine with four steals. Rebounder, steals guy, that's it. But when Damari comes back to suck in his 24 minutes, it's going to cut some of PJ's playing time around. So there's no, no real use in evaluating this game as being this you know, beacon of hope for him moving forward. I imagine Carroll returns in the next one and we don't get this sort of playing time from PJ Tucker. So Jabarka returned. He had 18-8 and eight in 32 minutes, while DeMar had 18-3-6 and six with a triple one. And it was a nice night from Pat Pat. Patrick Patterson had one of his better games of the season, 14-5 and five with four triples, but that's because he hit five of six from the field, so definitely nothing to get excited about. Corey Joseph was the opposite of exciting. He had 8-7-5, and five, but the exciting part is that he played 36 minutes. That's obviously good. The production? Bad. I still think that in most cases you want to hold, but you need a player for Sunday. You've got an open roster spot and Corey Joseph sitting there. See you later, Corey. I'll, I'll get someone else in. And then that's, that's a totally fine move. Jonas Valanciunas, nine and six in 22. And yeah, he's just not getting enough. 24 minutes for Delon Wright, eight, three and four and a triple one. You know, I like this kid. He's a name to watch. He's a deeper league guy at the moment, but he's a name to watch. Onto the Mavericks, the pencil was big again, 23 and seven and added three steals, really cracking it up after the last couple of games. He had struggled, but maybe his last two have been, have been pretty good. Seth Curry started once again at the point guard position. Wasn't quite as successful for Seth. 11, one and two with a steal and two triples there. Not all that efficient. I'd still be holding on to him in most situations. Well, Nerlens Noel started once more, but he was not good. 25 minutes for Nerlens, 3-8 and eight with a block and only took three shot attempts. I hate the shot attempts. I hate the lack of minutes. I still want to hold on to him for now just to see where this goes, but it was not a good night from Nerlens. It was also not a good night from Wes Matthews on the shooting front. He went 2 of 12 for four points, but the rest of his line is weirdly good. Six boards, five assists, two steals, and two blocks. And Wes Matthews has really been ranking up, uh, cranking up, in fact, the assist numbers of late, which is something that we've never really known him to do, but that's been happening. But still, with what he normally does or what he does on a general basis, it's scoring hit threes and he's not doing it. So forget him. JJ Barea had nine points in his 18 minutes. He's not a standard league guy, obviously. Well, Yogi Ferrell remained on the bench. He played 18 minutes, 10, 4, and 4. So not a bad night from Yogi, but any, any feelings you've got of him retaining 12 team league value, I reckon you should cast those aside. The New York Knicks and the San Antonio Spurs, Lance Thomas out, Carmelo Anthony out, but Derrick Rose did return. And all of this talk from the Knicks of, oh yeah, we're going to limit, limit the minutes of the, uh, of the veterans. We're just going to limit them. No, I don't like it, but that's uh, what we're going to do. Cool. Derrick Rose came back from a foot sprain and played 36 minutes. How's that limiting going? Playing more than what he's done previously. Courtney Lee, he's a veteran. He played 40 minutes. Jeff. My name is Jeff. What are you doing? Which one is it? We cannot trust. And I know there's a shit owner involved here. I know there's a bad GM or, or sorry, president of basketball, Phil Jackson, who makes bad decisions. But this is just bullshit. They got beaten. Fine. You could have made a genuine point for Derek Rose who couldn't walk and had this foot issue. They would have said, Rose, man, just sit it out a little bit more. Take it easy. Whatever. But now come back in. Play your 36. People have been talking about Mallow shutting it down since January. 
about Porzingis being you know, trade him away because he's going to shut down. I just, I just don't know with this team. Nothing seems to make any sense. It it just doesn't make sense. Now, as for Porzingis, he got into foul trouble. He played just 26 minutes and had 12 and 5 with a steal and a block. And that was another reason why Billy Hernan Gomez was able to play some extra minutes. With Lance out, with Mallow out, Mindaugas Kuzminskas started. He played 36 minutes and had 19 points with three threes. He provides pretty much nothing apart from points and threes. That's about it. That's the, uh, that, that's sort of the limit of his value. But if you need them, and Mallow and Lance remain out, then he has value. But for now, he's just a very, very, very deep league sort of a player. Cock did what he does. 13 minutes for a Quinn, 6-6, six and six, a steal and two blocks. Man, if he got 30 a night, we're talking top 50. It's just never going to happen, unfortunately. Or rugged Ronnie Baker went back to the bench and played two to 13 minutes for two points. Nothing, uh, nothing to see there. As for Courtney Lee, I didn't even touch on his stat line. 40 minutes, but six points, eight rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and a block. That is extremely full, and that is extremely not what Courtney Lee does. So don't get overly excited about that sort of stuff. Let's talk about the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi played 39 minutes, 29, 5, and 5, four triples, one steal, two blocks. Good numbers, obviously, while LaMarcus had 19 and 10. But I guess the more intriguing one is Pau Gasol playing 26 off the bench and also having a 19 and 10 double-double. He hit three threes and two blocks, and post-all-star or post-hand injury, Pau has just come back breathing fire from deep. It's been really weird to see. Um, he, he's definitely got enough value to hold on to. Tone Parker had 10 points with three assists and two steals in his 22 minutes, while Pat Mills had 10 points and seven assists. I don't really think there's anything to see there with Mills. Dan Green was out. He was resting. So John Simmons, after the late switcheroo, he moved in as the starter. He had six points in 24 minutes. I don't believe in John Simmons as an NBA starter-level player or as a fantasy asset, even when he gets the opportunity. So I don't think there's much to see there. Dwayne Dedman grabbed 13 boards in his 21 minutes, but of course, his playing time is going to be limited on pretty much a nightly basis. The last game of the night, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Portland Trailblazers. Gorgie Jeng with a huge defensive performance. 13-7 and is great, but the four steals and two blocks, and this is what I've talked about with him in multiple times, that he's got this chance. He has these shit games where he has six points and, and does nothing, and then he has these games where he puts up just bulk, bulk defensive numbers. And that's exactly what we're, uh, exactly what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I still think that he needs to be held in all leagues. The interesting one we want to look at here is Chrissy Dunn. That's three straight games of over 20 minutes. He's outplaying Brandon Rush and he's looking much better. I've been a very harsh critic of Chris Dunn, but he's looked good. 29 minutes here, 17, 4 and 1 with two steals on 62% shooting. We know we can't rely upon that. That's for sure. But if that playing time's there, then using him for steals is going to be a useful strategy for next week. Not as a just lock this guy in and hold unless you're in a deep league. But it'll be a name to watch where you go, all right, he's getting these 25 minutes a night. He's playing alongside Rubio. Let's um, let's use him on a day-by-day basis to get some steals. I think that's a, a definitely viable strategy. Rubio had 16-4 and for another high-scoring night for Rick. With Carl uh, Anthony Towns having 16-5, and five. wasn't his best performance. Wigo had one of the more disappointing 20-point games. He had 20 points. Zero rebounds. How is that possible in 32 minutes? Two assists and one steal on 42% shooting and 57% from the line. So he scored, but he didn't even do it efficiently. It was just a shit night. And the 20 points is great, but man, that was terrible. Brandon Rush played 15 minutes, and his minutes are, are way, way down, while Tyus Jones is getting some extra playing time. He had just the one point in 23 minutes, but added four assists. Becomes a an assist streamer in maybe 14 to 16 team leagues. 
Shabazz Muhammad bounced back from a stinker to have 13 points in his 20 minutes onto the Blazers. Just ridiculous efficiency. This team shot 63% from the field. That is unheard of. They smashed the uh, Timberwolves, so in minutes were able to be spread out fairly well. CJ McCollum, just the 29 minutes, but 32 points on 85% shooting, 11 of 13. That's unheard of. Four threes, four rebounds, four assists, while Dame had 21, six, and eight with three steals. The Damian Lillard steals, where are these coming from? This is something that if he can keep this going, then it's going to be a real interesting situation for him for fantasy next year. But his steal numbers are way up. He also shot 62% from the field. He is absolutely flying. Alan Crabb had 10 points in 21 minutes, and I'm not sure why I'm bothering to tell you that. While Yusuf Nurkic had 14, 9, and 4 in 23 minutes. And again, don't be too worried about the minutes. This was a smashing, so the minutes were, were limited significantly. Noel Vonley, just the 3 and 3 in 23 minutes. But again, it, it's a spot where they're giving Myers Leonard 21 minutes. Oh, I wouldn't be too, um, I wouldn't be too bothered about Vonley. The only reason you're owning him, though, is going to be for rebounds. But the fact that Leonard was able to play more and he'd been limited by back soreness might just be a little bit of a concern for Noah if you're in that situation where you are owning him for Sunday or you are in deeper league and you're using what he's giving. Mo Harkless struggled four points in 27 minutes. Um, fine, but even if he, even as he's playing Sunday, if you need someone else who could be more productive, then cool, he's just not producing enough on a consistent basis. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk DFS for all 10 games from Sunday. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10 to 1010, select styles only. Three points inside and another held tight I walked out of the tavern and into the night Stumbled woozy, sick through the forest thick When I thought I saw dark roots no quick And I'll tell you, man, though I drink too much Believe me now when I say it's such That night I saw a horrid grin On the trees of the forest as they moved in And they wrapped stick fingers around my chin And what had eyes I could see Come for me Perfect DFS. We'll start with Fangio. Johnny Wall had 61.3 and Dame had 43.2. Jamal Crawford at 38.9 and CJ McCollum at 40.8. At small forward, LeBron 48.2 and the pencil at 40.4. At power forward, Mo Spates 29. Gorgie Jeng 36.5.4, sorry. 
and Billy Hernan Gomez at center at 44.1 for a total of 382.2, and that cost 59,800 on DraftKings. Wall had 65.5, and McCullum had 45. The pencil went for 40.75, Jeng at 36.75, and Billy at 46.75. Derek Rose had 37.25, Lamarcus had 38, and Powell had 43 for a total of 353, and that cost $49,900. All right, we have got 10 games on Sunday, so there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, the first one of those is the Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets. How's, um, how do you reckon Devin Booker's price is going to look? We'll talk about that in a sec, but there's a couple of injuries we need to talk about first, and that's Ron Price, of course, huge one, and TJ Warren over the Phoenix Suns. They're both listed as questionable. They've both missed the last two. Price has missed a lot more than that. The fact that Ronnie Price is in the NBA and on this team that is resting veterans and you know, trying to develop players, and you just signed him, absolute ludicrous management decision. Go, you should, Why wouldn't you sign Briante Weber? Why wouldn't you find any D-League point guard, Pierre Jackson? See if any of these guys can play. What is the point of signing Ronnie Price when you're given the season away? You've you've told your veteran players not to play anymore. And then you bring in a veteran who's terrible. Get a young player who's terrible and see what they can do. Just baffling decisions. Now, if Ron misses... um, it's going to be a few more minutes there for Tyler Eulis. If TJ misses, it's going to be more minutes for Derek Jones Jr., Jared Dudley, and Leandro Barbosa. But none of those guys are very solid um, DFS options. This is an early game, a 1 p.m. Eastern start. So uh, make sure you check whether this is, in fact, in your contest. We've got, once again, a weird-looking um, weird-looking Sunday with games spread all over the place. An eight-and-a-half-hour difference between the start of the first game and the start of the last game. So that is, um, yeah, that can make things tricky if you're playing a, a a full slate contest. At point guard, Tyler Eulis, his salary is coming down because he's been poor. He's averaging 22 across the last three, and he's at $6,000. This is a good matchup for Tyler. Kemba, not a big point guard, but he was horrible in that game against Boston. There was a lot of factors for that, but he was horrible. At 6000 bucks, I, I don't think I want to be investing too much in that in cash, and it's 67 on DraftKings. It's, it's not ideal, but the 6000 on Fangio does give me hope that that he has a big night and makes him somewhat of a uh, somewhat of a GPP type of a guy, but yeah, it, it's it's probably a bit high. As for Kemba, he's got great a great matchup, seven thousand eight hundred for Kemba. I think he's a very good option at that price, and he should be looking to exceed forty. Um, he's at eighty three on DraftKings, so not quite as good, but there's still something there without without it being brilliant. Let's talk about the shooting guards, and let's talk about Devin Booker. He is now at 7,600 on Fangio because he dropped a 92-pointer in the last game. And in fact, on DraftKings, he had a 97-pointer. He is at 7,700 over there. That's great, but his previous games, he'd been nowhere near it. Absolutely nowhere near that sort of value. Um, If you want to throw him into a tournament and think he's going to go for 70 again, by all means. But I think his ownership will be high. And will be it'll be incorrectly high in lots of spots, and I don't think it's going to be the right play because you're hoping that he gets another 38 or 39 points, and and realistically, he's done it once over the last two weeks, and that was that game against Boston. So uh, I, I don't at that increased price with everyone ready to you know, jump on board. I'm not sure that you know, replication of that is well, it's not it's not going to happen. I'll categorically say it. he will not score over 90 fantasy uh, FanDuel or DraftKings points again on Sunday. He won't do it. 
I'll categorically state that. So I think that that price rise is massively reactionary and I think it's going to draw a lot of suckers in and I don't think you should be one of those suckers. Nicola Batum is at 6,700. His numbers have not been ideal lately, but this is an, an opportunity. It's an opportunity against a horrible opponent, which might mean that they do limit him somewhat. Uh, I don't think it's a, an awesome spot for Nick. It, it's it's fine without being spectacularly good. At small forward, we're looking at TJ Warren at 6,400. If he plays, eh, probably just a little bit too expensive. I'm not sure that the upside's quite there, especially if he's battling some sort of foot problem. The other small forwards we want to talk about, Mick Kidd-Gilchrist is now down under 5,000 on Fangio, but I, I shouldn't really, oh, I don't really care. And Marco Ballinelli is a good GPP upside guy. 3,900, he dropped to 28 in the last game. He's actually averaging over five, uh, over 20 in the last five games. He's had a couple of games in those last two weeks of him going over value. So he does have some upside there, but obviously we're not expecting a 28-pointer, which he did last week, or Derek Jones, as I mentioned I don't care if he starts. He, he doesn't do anything when he does. Frank the Tank Kaminsky at 5,400 had an absolutely terrible game in the last one. I just don't feel the upside there for him, but this matchup is super good. So if we've seen big men against Phoenix go bananas, so there's an opportunity for him. I don't feel all that comfortable with Frank as a as a great play, but it, it is pretty good. Marquise Chris is at 5,100. He killed us with his foul trouble in the last game. That's always bound to happen. This matchup is fine for Chris. At 5,100, I like him. At 6,000 on DraftKings, I don't. That's too high, and it takes away so much of his ceiling if you're just looking at that sort of price as uh, as his salary. Marvin Williams continues to be too highly priced. At center, big source, Alan Williams is down to 5,400, and even in you know, somewhat muted performance in the last game, he still put up 28 FanDuel points, and I'm absolutely no worries with that at 5,400. He did well the last time he faced Charlotte. No problem. Cody Zeller at 5,300, super matchup for him. He had a big game in the last one, and I've got no problem with considering Cody Zeller. I think both these guys are very, very strong plays in this matchup. As for Alex Len, he's at 5,000 bucks. I, I don't really feel that. Maybe he can, um, but I, I don't I don't really see him as a permanent producer being a, being a great option here. But, you know, I do like Alex Len. Not as much as Josh K does, though. Let's uh, move on to the next game. It is the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are favored by six and a half, and the total is 215 points. Injury-wise, Paul Millsap is out, and that's the uh, and uh, Joe Harris is out, and sexy boy Sean Kilpatrick is also out as well. Not that they have too much of an impact, although the, the removal of Kilpatrick and Harris does open things up for a guy like KJ McDaniels, who's been playing 20 minutes a game for the last three, and he makes... For an interesting option here at point guard, let's start with that. Um, we'll start with Dennis Schroeder. He's at seven thousand two hundred. He's got a great matchup here. I think it's fine. Yeah, the, he's got a forty-one point average against the Nets. He's coming off forty-seven in his last game. I think you, you're pretty safe at least getting thirty out of Schroeder, and yeah, significant upside to get more. As for Jeremy Lin at fifty-eight hundred. I like Lynn. I just think that's too highly priced. I'm not interested there. 54 for Lynn on DraftKings. Yeah, much better. Definite got some upside there, but I'm not not using that as a, as, as a cash play or anything along those lines. Spencer Dinwiddie, Isaiah Whitehead. I, I don't really see the, the point of using those guys. At shooting guard, Timmy Hardaway is at 5,900. I think you're going to get 30 out of Tim. This is a, is a really good situation for him, so no problem with that. He's at 63 on DraftKings, which is too high in my opinion. While Karis Levert, 
yeah, maybe you want to throw him in a GPP, the same which you could say for KJ McDaniels, who has put up some decent numbers lately, but their minutes are all over the place. It's very hard to project what's going to happen with them. So there's not a lot of um, consistency or safety in either of those guys. Tabo Cephalosha at 3,800. I like this for Tabo, at least to get your 22 or 23, which can be very solid. The matchup is good for him. And he can get some defensive stuff. I think he can work well offensively against the Nets as well. I like this for Tabo. Again, remember we've got no uh, Kent Bazemore. Torian Prince hasn't really had, or hasn't, well, he's had the opportunity. He hasn't uh, taken full advantage of it, so I'm not really keen there. Rondo Hollis Jefferson has been fantastic. He's averaged 25 over the last three and only 21 minutes a game. He's at sub four, four, sub 5,000 at 4,700. If he gets 30 minutes, he's going through that like an absolute steam train. But the problem is we don't expect him to get 30 minutes. So if you want to go on the upside play with a great matchup and throw Rondé in the GPP, he could easily bring you 35. Shit, he could bring you 40 if he gets enough minutes. But that is a massive, massive, massive um, chance. We just don't know that he will get there. There's so much uncertainty with it. At Powerford, Ursan Ilyasova will likely get another start. He's at 4,800. His numbers haven't been inspiring, and I'm not sure his upside is really all that high. It's not bad, but it's clearly not great. Well, uh, Quincy AC at 3,500, um, yeah, pr- probably not for big Quince. At center, Dwight Howard, 7,200 for Dwighty. His numbers have definitely improved lately, but I'm not sure that they're just quite at that level that we need them to be to be spending that sort of a salary on him. I'm not 100% convinced of that, and definitely not on DraftKings at 7,600. For Brookie Lopez at 6,700, shit matchup for Brook. The salary's dropped on Fangio a lot by 500 bucks, which is obviously great. He's at 64 on DraftKings, but I just dislike the matchup for him, and I think getting to 30 might be um might be somewhat of a stretch here for Dwight, not for Dwight, for Brook. Sorry. Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets is the next game we're going to take a look at. The Rockets are favored by six, and the total is a very, very tasty 232 points. So obviously, we want to look at this game and go, all right, all right, what are we going to do? Who can we go after? And there's a few guys that you should be looking at here. Let's start with the point guards. Pat Bev's at 5,300. Yeah, I think it's all right. It's not the best play that's out there. At 51 on DraftKings, I do like it quite a bit. It's fine to include in GPP game stacks, and this is a game you should be attacking. Russ at twelve thousand nine hundred. It's it's big. It's it's very big. He's only averaging fifty three over the last five, and that's not cutting it at twelve thousand nine hundred. But you know, it's never easy fading Russ. I would be okay doing it, especially the thirteen thousand on DraftKings. I don't think that's a terrible maneuver. But there is there is obviously some risk with fading Russ and, and you know keeping him keeping him in tournaments can be a, can be a useful way to go about it. At shooting guard, Lou Williams at forty three hundred, terrible, but fifty point upside. So yeah, game stacking guys, that's the way to go. You have to throw him into those lineups. Eric Gordon at forty eight hundred. I just don't think his upside's quite as high as Lou Williams, so I'd much rather take Lou in that sort of a situation. Well, Jim Harden's at 12,500. I'd probably rather spend the 12,5 on Jim than the 12,9 on Russ um, and feel a bit more consistent with him getting there. But, you know, Tabo Cephalosha, not Tabo Cephalosha, Andre Robertson worries Jim and worries him in a very big way. And the last three games that he's played against the Thunder, he's averaged just 46. So that's something to definitely monitor. And before you start giving yourself 100% exposure to Jim Harden, that remember that Robertson has crushed him. Jim is averaging still 65 his last five total games, but you know, 65 down to 46, which is what it's like against Oklahoma City, it's a big, big margin. 
and that is the Robertson factor. Vic Oladipo is at 6,000. He has struggled recently, but I like Oladipo to get back to that. I wouldn't be you know, fully confident with it, but I think there's a decent chance that he can get you plus 30 points here. At small forward, Ariza is down to $5,000. That is not not a high price on both sides. Um, has been nowhere near that sort of a level of value. And this is a game that I forgot to mention that Ryan Anderson will not play. So Ryan uh, Trevor Ariza should be seeing more minutes and playing at the four. So I reckon it's a very good spot to use Trev. Um you need to get some extra minutes out of him to get some more rebounding opportunities to hopefully get him to hit some more shots by being close to the basket. I think this is a good spot for Trevor Ariza, just in large part, I guess, because of Ryan Anderson's absence. I would assume that Eric Gordon moves into the starting lineup and they push Ariza down to the four. That's what happened last time. The other guy you need to look at is Sammy Decker, who could see 20 minutes. He could see 30. If he sees 30 at minimum salary, then yeah, he's an option. But of course, we don't know that's going to be the case at this point. Some of the times that Anderson missed, yes, he played 30 minutes. The last time that Anderson missed, he played 20. So we don't exactly know how that's going to pan out. But at that sort of a salary level, then... You, you look at Decker, and again, we're talking about stacking this game for GPPs, and, and why wouldn't you? Because yeah, there is a lot of guys here who have got the opportunity to go off. At power forward, there's not much. Taj Gibson, unless you think he's going to start playing 28 minutes a night, which ludicrously he's not. He's averaging just 17 minutes in the last three games. Unbelievably low. Well, Ennis Cantor at $6,000. I reckon he might be in just a smidge of trouble against a Jim Harden pick and roll at 6000 bucks. So that's that's a significant fade for me. At center, I like Clint Capella here. 5,700 for Clint. He's just been consistently churning out the 27 to 30 point game nights. No problem with getting him in there. Steve Adams, yeah, decent problem. 4,900 for Steve. The matchup is very good, but his production, his minutes have been so poor lately that I just can't get behind that. And Nene, he's at 4,800, and that is way too high for what he does. On DraftKings, Nene is at 4,000. So maybe you could look at it and go, at that price, he's reached 6x value in three of his last five games. It's not bad. Hasn't gone over six, but but, but he's reached it. Oh, sorry, hasn't gone over seven, but but he's in that six to seven range, which is good. It's really good. So four thousand bucks for Nene, eh, you may be considerate over on DraftKings. The next game we will take a look at. We've got the Sacramento Kings and Los Angeles Clippers. At this point, there is no spread for a number of reasons. The Kings lineup, you have absolutely no idea what is going to happen on a nightly basis. And the Clippers, what are they going to do? Will they rest, guys? Again, this is their fifth game in the last seven days. It's another back-to-back performance. What will they do? Will there be rest? There's a there's a definite risk of all that thing, all those things happening here. Now they should comfortably handle the Kings. So even if guys like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin play or DeAndre Jordan, they might only play 26, 27 minutes, and you might get some extra Jamal Reddick, uh, Austin Rivers, Fat Face Ray Felton, Mo Spates. You might get some extra playing time from those guys if that's what they decide to do. As for the Kings, who knows? I would assume that Anthony Tolliver's back. I would assume that Dazza Collison is back. They both missed the last game. So you assume they rested. Tyrek Evans, who knows? He rested two games in a row um, a couple of weeks ago. Who's going to be out? Is it going to be Costa Kufos? Is it going to be Aaron Aflalo? Probably. Could it be Garrett Temple? I reckon if I'm putting odds on it, Aflalo and Kufos will be out. That would be my guess. And that opens up some more minutes for Scalabissier, for Jorgos Papianis, um, Langston Galloway. Not much there. Bud healed a couple of extra minutes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's outside of healed, outside of Corley Stein. I don't feel like there's anyone who's really going to get consistent playing time on this Kings team. 
at point guard. As I said, it's really tough to trust guys like Chris Paul just with the uncertainty of whether they're actually going to play. And then secondly, how much they're going to play because this is not looking like a an altogether challenging situation for for this Clippers team. But you know, Paul's salary looks brilliant. 8100 on DraftKings looks really, really good. In this matchup, it's super. You throw him in a tournament, the Kings keep it closed, and he smashes through 50, and it's a big win. But there are a lot of factors pointing the other way, and you need to be aware of that. I like Austin Rivers' upside just in case these rests happen or this blowout happens. 4100 for Austin is a pretty good spot for him. I don't like either of the Kings point guards. I don't care who's in, who's out. Darren Collis and Ty Lawson, no interest whatsoever. At shooting guard, Jamal's at 3,900. Yeah, have to like that. Uh, yeah, 36 on DraftKings. No no problem. Consider- I'd even maybe go as far to say, shit, I'll put Jamal in a cash at sub 4,000, given what we know about how this team's going. JJ Redick at 4,300. Again, just a worse version of Jamal Crawford for DFS points of view, and that doesn't... Uh, that doesn't help. While Bud Heald's at 54. A monster from Bud in the last one. 43 minutes. This is a little bit of a different matchup, of course, against the Clippers. Yeah, Chrissy Paul, JJ Redick, pretty good defenders. So Bud might not be able to do as much as he did there. And the fact that he's up 7,000 bucks is not ideal. But if he does what he did in the last game, then he easily, he comfortably exceeds that salary. So that's something you need to pay attention to and consider Bud a guy whose minutes should be relatively consistent. Garrett Temple and Aaron O'Flaherty, you can forget those guys. Same with Tyreek. At small forward, there is literally no small forward that I would want anything to do with at all in any situation here. Will Cauley-Stein at 6,100. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm fine with it. He's been a little bit disappointing lately, definitely. But the upside is there. Fine with going with Big Will. As for Blake, just copy everything I said for Chris Paul across. To him, the salary is high, but it's cheaper on DraftKings, but... You just don't know how much these guys are going to play in this sort of weird situation. Scal at 4,700. I like Scal if we hear that there's a rest coming. Otherwise, you could throw him into a GPP, assuming that Kufos is out. And that should give Scal, you know, high 20s in minutes and ability to put up over 30 points. And he's a $4,700 player. So there is some value there in Labissier, assuming that one of these bigs rests, either Tolliver or Kufos. And I would have to assume that one of them is out. Mo Spates chimed in in garbage time. He had 29 points in his 22 minutes. He's a minimum salary player on Fangio. He's 36 on DraftKings. If you want to bank on that happening again, be my guest. I don't think Costa Kufos has any appeal. While you're just Papianis at minimum salary, I just don't see him getting enough minutes to be that sort of impactful guy. While DeAndre Jordan, 79 on Fangio is too high. 66 on DraftKings... I don't even care really if he plays 28 minutes. I reckon he can, I can exceed that in such a great matchup. He should be looking at 35 in 20 minutes. I reckon he's got the ability to do that. There is still a level of risk with it, of course, just given the, I guess, the unsure nature of this, but that's something that you can, um, you can feel pretty good at. But that price on DraftKings is, is, is very impressive for him. All right. Let's uh, move on to the next one. We've got, uh, oh, the good old Chicago Bulls. They are taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are favored by six and a half, and the total here is 203.5 points. Injury-wise, Johnny Henson is out for the Bucks. The Bulls, nothing, nothing doing there, nothing changing. Let's, uh, let's talk point guards. Let's talk Rajon Rondo, who, let's be honest, has been dreadful the last couple of games, and this is somewhat of a negative matchup. I don't hate it, though, for him. He plays 30-plus minutes. At 5,800, he should be able to get there. Recently, he hasn't. Now, he's at 64 on fan, on DraftKings, and I have no interest in that at all. 
Matty Dellavedova, no thanks. Mick Carter-Williams, no thanks. How's that? How about Brogo? Is it 5,600? Fangio's gone hard, and I've also gone hard in the opposite directions. Not in that way. But I've also uh, yeah, said no no to Brogo at 5,600. He's at 51 on DraftKings. That's a little bit better. And I still don't really see it as being A, reliable, and B, high ceiling. So it pretty much takes him away from cash and from uh, GPPs, in, in my mind. Shooting guard Yanni under the compo ten thousand six hundred. He will. Uh, he generally will smash the Bulls. He averages sixty one against them in the last three games. He's uh, ramped it back up over the last couple as well. After he'd struggled for a little stretch there, uh, no no complaints with using Yanni. And at nine nine on DraftKings, that's very very good value to use him there. Denzel Valentine's at forty three. If he was minimum, I, I would love it. At forty three, I have no interest. Forty two on DraftKings. Yeah, there's not a lot to say about that. Chrissy Middleton at 6,300. The numbers have been down for Middleton lately. I think this is a great opportunity for him against the Bulls to put up 35-plus. I, I really do believe that. I think this is a good spot for him. He's at 62 on DraftKings. There's obviously a level of risk there, and if you're someone who doesn't buy into it, then fine. It's not a core play, but I'm pretty confident of him having a, a, at least a serviceable game. Jim Butler's up to 10000 bucks. That feels high. Yes, he had 67 in the last game. Yes, he averages 53 across the last five. No, he averages 35 across the last three against the Bucks. That's a very, very low number. Not saying he's going to do that, but that is a very, very high level you're expecting Butler to perform to at 10,000 bucks, and I'm not willing to do that. He's at 97 on DraftKings. That's fine. Throw him into a tournament, but is the upside actually there at that um, at that 10,000 or $9,700 price point? I reckon it's probably stretching it a little bit. Nothing to see with Tone Snell, I don't believe, with uh, or with Paulie Zipser at Powerford. Nikola Mirotic at 4,600. Yeah, pretty solid games from him recently. It is a little hard to trust him in cash. I know for plenty of you, I would still be looking at him as a GPP type of a guy. Um, his price has gone up a lot on DraftKings at 5,600, and I don't think that's worth, worth looking at. Bob Portis at 43. Big game from Bob in the last one. Yeah, of course, we're just looking at him as a GPP guy, and that's about it. And even then, I don't feel all that strongly about it. At center, Robin Lopez at 47. Absolute putridness in the last game. Disgusting performance. Just the four points for Robin. There's some upside there. Definitely. At 4,700, that, that's a nice price, but you probably want to go GPP. As for DraftKings, he was super low priced, and then they bumped him to 4,800. So I'm not really feeling that as being a, a great situation. Maybe if you want to get funky in a GPP. Greggy Munro, not enough minutes to justify the price. And unless you're into, into Joffrey Laverne, I reckon you can forget the rest of the centers. Let's talk next game. We've got the Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. No spread out for this one. Avery Bradley, as of Saturday, was still in hospital. So... Very, very unlikely that he is going to play on Sunday. That hasn't been ruled out, but very unlikely. The Celtics are now half a game behind the Cavs for the one seed, so they have got some motivation if they want that one seed to uh, to go. But if Avery Bradley's still in hospital, I reckon it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. Hassan Whiteside with his ankle, he's probable, so he should be ready to go. That's what probable means, Josh. At point guard, Isaiah Thomas at 8,400 for Isaiah. He's been putting up you know, pretty constant 40-point nights. You want a little bit more out of him, but I actually feel all right about him at this at this price and in this spot. I don't think it's a terrible situation. I think it's pretty good. 86 on DraftKings, I'll probably, I'll probably draw the line at that. That feels a bit expensive. 
Sorry, 86 on Fangio, a bit expensive. 84 on DraftKings, fine. Had my uh, providers flipped around. Goran Dragic at 7,800. I like this for Goran. Yeah, very, very good matchup for him. He's going to be pushing hard. Had 37 in the last game. Really good average against Boston. Like it. Tyler Johnson at 6,000. That's too expensive for Tyler, in my opinion. Uh, shooting guards. Oh, actually, Marcus Smart, who should get some good minutes. Struggled, but at 5,800. It's, there's just no upside in that. I, I just don't see any benefit for that. 4,600 is Joshy Richardson at shooting guard. The minutes have been fine. The production has not, but there is definite GP penis in what he can do. He um, he had 23 in the last game, so it looked a little bit better. You get him to 25 or 26, and, and you're sort of making up value and hope, hoping he can go for 35. So I, I don't mind Joshy here. Avery Bradley, I wouldn't be using him even if he played it. And the Duke Wayne Ellington's at 36. He's always always a sneaky GPP guy that can drop a 25 out of nowhere and can also drop a 2. Not in that way. At small forward, Jay Crowder's at 5,900. I think that's right on. I don't see much upside there for Crowder, but I feel like in cash, that's a pretty good price that you just get back what you pay for. And, and that's not a bad way to go about looking at things in cash. At 59 on DraftKings, probably you know, two $300 too high, I would uh, I would uh, guess. Jalen Brown would start in Avery Bradley's absence, and he had 23 in the last game. So if Brad, Bradles is out, which we expect, 4000 for Jalen is not a not a dreadful price. It also doesn't have very much upside. So maybe in cash at 4000 hey, can I just get someone to get me 24 points? Yeah, maybe Jalen's that guy that, that does help you, but there is a significant level of risk involved in that. Jimmy Johnson at 6100 feel all right about it. I, I don't I don't love it. I don't love much about this game, to be honest, apart from uh, a couple of players like, like Dragic, who I touched on. Yeah, Jimmy's all right at that price, but but not uh, spectacular. Amir Johnson's also not good. At center, this is one I like. I like Hassan Whiteside at 8,800 on Fangio, but I love it at 8,200 on DraftKings. I don't have any worry about the hand. I've got no real worry about the ankle. He's crushing it. You should be locked in for 40 plus here pretty much no matter what. Fingers crossed, of course. Al Horford at 7,000 has done very well lately, has improved his output, and I feel okay about considering him. I don't, I'd rather spend up and get Whitehead, if, not Whitehead, Whiteside if I could. But Al Horford at 7,000 or 69 on DraftKings has a little bit of a level of appeal. Let's move on to the next one. We're talking Philadelphia. They are taking on the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are favored by 8.5, and, and the total is 211. We need to check the status of Jolly Locafor for two reasons. If he plays, then it, it neuters a little bit what Rishon Holmes can do. But if he is out, it opens up Holmes, and it also opens up sexy boy Sean Long. <laughs> Sean Long put up some pretty big numbers the last game. Clearly his best performance and something that we're not going to be able to see replicated. But in a GPP, he does have really solid permanent numbers. And he actually translated the permanent numbers into increased playing time, and it worked. So that's that's something we t- we pay attention to. At point guard, Jeff Teague is at 7,400, has been playing very, very well. I, I like him to continue that. I think it's a I think it's an okay spot to use Jeff. I think he will be uh, pretty solid at... Um, at providing that value back to you, seven thousand on DraftKings is not a bad, uh, not a bad looking price point either. TJ McConnell from the Philadelphia side of the uh, side of the tracks, he is at five thousand five hundred. You know, pretty consistently getting you past that number, so I don't hate it. I just think his upside is fairly limited, and 
uh, uh, yeah, I'm not fully into it in cash, so that makes him somewhat of a harder guy to, to use. For the shooting guards, the Wawu Cabrera, Monte Ellis, Nick Stauskas, you can throw any of them into a GPP. I just don't feel it for them, and I don't see them as being good cash plays. Bob Cobb is down to 6,800, so his salary is coming down on the back of some subpar performances, averaging just 29 over the last five. 6,800 is still pretty high, and the Paul George defense probably scares me off from using Covington, but I do like the fact that his salary is starting to come down. Now, CJ Miles is always just a punt option, but the uh, big name here at Small Ford is Paulie George. He's at 8,800 on Fangio, and he's been playing very well. 43 average over the last five, 46 over the last three. I think at 8,800 on Fangio, you definitely give Paul George a look. At 87 on DraftKings, same thing, but more more GPP. I don't really think that he's a a lock-in cash sort of a player. At power forward, the Deuce Young's at 4,400. He's been dreadful. We know that. Consider him for GPPs. Revenge narrative, if you want to buy into that. I don't, but some people do. So I'm just pointing out when players are playing against their former teams. So now Thad, against the Sixers, even though that is two teams ago, he played for Brooklyn and Minnesota in the meantime. But at 4,400, Thad is uh, is interesting with his upside. Rishon Holmes struggled in the last game, only 13 points. He's at 5,600. He can easily burst through that. But given the uncertainty of Okafor, I'd only be looking at Holmes. He is a GPP sort of a player. Well, Dario Saric at 7,600. It's pretty expensive for Sharich. He's been great, but I might only look at him as a tournament player. I'm not sure I have the full um, full cooperation for him as a as a cash option. At centre, Miles Turner. This is a great matchup for Miles. Has struggled in the last couple of games, but is starting to get it together. Very very positive here for him. He's at 6,500. I'm not fully into it. I reckon it would be something that I would use, and I wouldn't feel bad about it. But it's interesting, and it's 64. On, uh, on DraftKings, which is a $500 price increase. If he's at 59, I would have smashed that. But at 64, there is definite value there. And there's 35, 40 point upside for Miles Turner here. As for Okafor, nah, I reckon we're good. Let's go next game. We've got the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. Marcus Sol has come out. Wait, no, he hasn't. He's, he's married. He's, he's got kids. Is the injury report came out. And he's got a foot issue, so he is listed as questionable. Now, if he is out, we're going to see more Zebo, we're going to see more Jermichael Green, and we're going to see more Brandon Wright. But Wright's not going to come in and play 36 that Gasol was doing. That's he's beyond his limitations. You're probably going to see one of their bigs recall from the uh, from the D League, Jarrell Martin or Deontay Davis, to come in and fill up some of these backup roles. But it does open up some value for Jermichael. It opens up some for Zebo as well. And you want to get sneaky, then uh, then Brandon Wright does come into play. Let's uh, let's look at the point guard. Steph is at 9,900. He's playing very well. Now, 9,900 against Memphis is probably a little bit high. Just, you know, they slow the pace down. And he hasn't had a brilliant record against the Grizz. But at 9,900 is too high. But DraftKings at 91, fine. Um, yeah, I feel pretty good about him getting 50. And I don't think that's too much of a stretch to think. The Grizzlies recently actually have been a real big boost to point guards. It hasn't worked for Steph in the past, but they've been a, a team that's allowing point guards to go well above their average. So I think it's not a bad situation here for Steph. And you know, I haven't really considered him all that much in the last two to three months, but this is this is one at that sort of a price that I think it can work out at. Mick Conley's at seven thousand nine hundred. I think that's too high. Yeah, you know, you're twelve hundred bucks, or not twelve hundred. He's two thousand away from Steph. Or thirteen hundred away on uh, on DraftKings, yeah, I, I just don't see that as being a viable option 
for the shooting guards. Clay, who I thought was getting consistency, he had 14 points in the last game. I think it's a bounce back for Clay. I probably, I wouldn't be super happy about using him in cash, but I also wouldn't be totally shying away from it. I think there's something to see here with Clay. At 72 on DraftKings, it's less interesting, but it's still interesting nonetheless. Tone Allen's at 4,100. He's got a very good record against Golden State, surprisingly, averaging 32 across the last three games. I don't expect 32, but I reckon 24 or 25 is definitely not out of the realms of possibility. And at 3,800 on DraftKings, if he gets you 24 points, it's a pretty, pretty good haul for you. So, yeah, someone to monitor that maybe you hadn't have realized how good he actually has been against Golden State, weirdly. And that doesn't always carry across, but he's not someone who gets um, gets killed against them. Small forward, Matt Barnes, 3,900, has been terrible. You want to go revenge narrative? Maybe he feels it against Memphis. That could be the case. He definitely had some strong words against Sacramento. I don't think he has that sort of feeling towards Memphis, but it is something to watch. And at that sort of salary, if he can get you 25, it's a possibility. So there's a marginal level of upside there for Barnsley on Fangio. At 44 on DraftKings, I absolutely hate that. I don't really see anything to uh, to do with that at all. Vinci Carter, no. Andre Iguodala, no. Power forward, Draymond's at 7,700. If Gasol is out, I like Draymond. If Gasol is in, I probably stick uh, we'll steer clear of him, but if if we do have no mark, then Draymond's a go. 5,200 for Zebo. That price has come down, and it had been way too high all season. If Gasol is out, 5,200 for Randolph is a very, very good price, and I think that you should, even if Gasol's out, I reckon Zebo's worth a snatch anyway, but if Gasol is if Gasol is out, go right ahead. Very, very interesting situation there for Randolph, if that happens to happen. And 48 on DraftKings is even better. So there's a lot to see there. Jermichael Green at 4,100. The Gasol boost is really all we're looking at there. At center, speaking of Gasol, 7,600. He's not a center that's going to get played off the court by the Warriors. And I think he's a decent play at 7,600, but I'm not not fully want to be exposed to it. 71 on DraftKings, though. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good spot to use Gasol. Now, he was a guy that was you know, pushing 8,000, over 8,000 for big stretches. So at 7,000 with the ability to get to 38, 40, even he's averaging 39 points across the last five games on DraftKings scoring. So that's pretty bloody good. And at 7,100, I don't really see how you can uh, totally ignore that. Not saying that it's a, a cash play at all, but there's uh, there's a little bit to see if we happen to hear that Mark is actually going and playing. Next game, the New Orleans Pelicans and, and the Denver Nuggets now another injury with DeMarcus Cousins listed as questionable with his ankle. Obviously, if he is out, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis get big bumps and you can even throw maybe a flyer on a Dante Cunningham and Alexia Jinsa or a Sully Hill. They're going to be your low-priced guys that you want to throw in for Denver. Uh, the Rooster, Darrell Arthur, and Ken Farid are all listed as probable. I don't think there's too much to be concerned about there with those guys at point guard. Let's start with Jameer Nelson, who's at $5,000, has really struggled recently. I don't really see any upside in using him. Drew Holiday at 7,200. Boogie out, yes. Boogie in, no. He did have 42 in the last game with Boogie in, so that was a nice performance. But Boogie's minutes were limited in that game with some foul issues. But 72 with Boog out, no worries. He's on 72 at DraftKings as well. Unfortunately, they just bumped him up by 700 bucks. If he had been down at that 6,500 range, that would have been a very, very good price for Drew Holiday. The Blue Arrow, just not going to play enough, unfortunately, I don't think. Jordy Crawford at 3,500. He is a um, a guy that can score, obviously, quickly, but I, I don't really see that here. Etwan Moore, yeah, I don't, yeah, no, I'm maybe not. I, I can see Etwan in certain situations, but but not in majority. Well, Timmy Frazier's starting and averaging under 18 points a game, and that's not really um happening for me. 
Gaz Harris. Let's hope so. He's at 6,100. I think that's probably a bit high for Gaz as much as I like him. I'm not really interested in him at that sort of a price. Well, Farton, Will Barton, everyone's back. So his value is done. At small forward, Wilson Chandler, 6,700. A nice game in the last one, but I don't feel confident about him exceeding that price every game. Same on DraftKings at 64, while the Rooster at 67. Big first game back, way higher than what you should be anticipating his production to be. On a uh, consistent basis at power forward, Tone Davis, 10,800. You have to love that if Boogie's out. I even think there's worth looking at him as a GPP player if Cousins is in, but otherwise it's a very, very good value there. Well, Nikola Jokic is at 10,300. A huge game from Jokic in the last one. I would rather spend the 500 up for Davis, to be honest, but there is something to see there with Jokic. On DraftKings, Davis is 10 and Jokic is 9.8, and they both get a little bit more appeal over on DraftKings. At center, Mason Plumley, forget that, and Alexia Jinsa, forget it. As for Boogie, if he plays, there's definite upside for him. Um, probably more tournament-ish, but if he plays, then, then he is an option, of course, as he pretty much always is. Let's now go to the last game of the night, and that is the Portland Trailblazers. They're traveling to LA. The Blazers are favored by six, and the total is 223 points here. Brandon Ingram, who said he was going to be fine to play, is now listed as questionable with his knee. If he is out, then maybe we see Uncle P back in the lineup. We see a little bit more David Nwaba, a bit more Corey Brewer, some extra minutes go on to a guy like Jordy Clarkson. Shit, maybe Meta World Peace comes back. There's some other options, but yeah, none of them are going to be great DFS plays or anything like that. There is a bit of value happening in this game, though. At point guard, D'Angelo Russell's at 6,500. I feel pretty good about using him at that salary, while Dame Lillard just continues to put up big numbers. He is at 9,400, a $200 price drop. Still, yeah, I still don't know about using him in cash, but if you're going to use him in cash, use it after a price drop against the Lakers. But the minutes could be the real concern here. I'd still probably lean more GPP with him. Jordy Clarkson's at 59. High price. Had a big game in the last one, but that's that's a little high, I think, for for, uh, for Clarko. 64 on DraftKings is a lot high. At shooting guard, CJ is at 6,900. Totally fine with using that. Giggity. Thanks, Quagmire. Um, yeah, totally fine with using CJ there at 69. He's at 74 on DraftKings. Less less interested over there at that uh, increased price tag. At small forward, Mo Harkless. Yeah, no thanks, mate. Um, Brando Ingram, 4,500. I like it if he plays. If he doesn't, then of course I hate it. But without us knowing, then it's very going to be very hard to use him. He's at 51 on DraftKings. I don't really like that at all. Evan Turner and Corey Brewer. Yeah, I can't see any of them being useful options. Noah Vonley struggled today. He's at 3,800. I still like him to get over 20 points. I think this is a very, very good matchup for him. And hopefully he can play the 30 minutes or so. Not 100% sure, but I, I, I do like Noah there. Julius Randle's at 69. You're putting up some good numbers, but he just continually feels too highly priced. If there's a matchup that he's going to be able to live up to it, though, it could be this one against the Blazers, whose front court hasn't been great defensively. So he is all right, but that it still just feels too high. He's at 71 on DraftKings. I would look at him more as a GPP sort of a guy because he does have upside to go above that. Larry Nance had a big game in the last one. You could throw him into a tournament and, and hope that that sort of playing time comes his way again. At center, Yusuf Nurkic, 6,700. I love that. I think you should be looking at that in lots of spots. At 77 on DraftKings for Yusuf, it's probably a little high, but it's not terrible. Well, if it's a Zubats, is a good tournament play. If they go back to 30 minutes, they've been up and down with his minutes. He's at 4,400. He can easily get 30 points, but there is a risk associated with it, and he's at 53 on DraftKings, which is probably probably a little bit high, taking away a fair, fair chunk of his upside, I would say. 
Let's now go and talk picks of the day. We'll start with Fangio. Rivers at 41 and D'Angelo at 65 and Russ comes in at 12-9 at shooting guard. Lou Williams, 43, Timmy Hardaway at 59 and Jim Harden at 12-5. The small forwards, Tarbo, 38, Chrissy Middleton, 63 and Paulie George, 88 at power forward. Vonley at 38, Will Cauley-Stein, 6-1 and Tone Davis, 10-8 and at center, Zubats at 44, Clint Capella, 57 and Whiteside at 88. On DraftKings, Austin Rivers, 35. D'Angelo, 7,000. And Steph at 91. Jamal Crawford, 36. Pat Bev, 51. And Jim Harden, 12.5. At small forward, Tone Allen, 38. Chris Middleton, 62. And Yanni at 9.9. Power forward, Noah Vonley, 41. Cauley Stein, 58. And Davis at 10,000. And the centers, DeAndre Jordan, 6,600. And Hassan Whiteside, 8,200. For the Aussies, Moneyball, Austin Rivers, 42. D'Angelo, 65. And Steph at 94. At shooting guard, Joshy Richardson, 39. Chris Middleton, 56. At small forward, Rondé is at 45. Wilson Chandler, 61. And Yarny at 9.6. At power forward, Noah Vonley, 36. Big Source at 56. And Blake Griffin at 85. And at center, Zubats, 45. Corley Stein, 56. And Jokic, 95. On draft stars, Tyler Johnson, 75. Isaiah Thomas, 13. 8.50. And Steph at 17.5. At shooting guard, each one more, 6850. Goran Dragic, 12650. And McCullum at 15250. Small forward, Matt Barnes, 7450. Clay Thompson, 125. And Draymond at 149. Power forward, Vonley, minimum salary, 5000. Jim Johnson, 104. And Tone Davis, 18750. And at center, Zubats, 8000. Rishon Holmes, 84. And Yusuf Nurkic, 14,050 points. We are done. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore bball. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Rick Carlisle. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17